This series is called Foundation. As we get to next week, we'll come to chapter or verse 11 and we'll talk about that text that says, for there is no other foundation than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so that is the everything that we build on as a church of who Jesus is and the foundation of, upon which everything else uh, that we do is built upon. Um, but today we want to, and last week actually, we looked at this idea of unity as we looked at the first four verses in this, in this chapter, and we looked at unity and how important it was because unity gives evidence of maturity. And maturity is important because maturity leads God's people, leads his church towards mission. And on the other hand, or in contrast, disunity does something very different. Disunity is evidence of immaturity, and immaturity leaves a church distracted, leaves a church very stoppable, and at times actually very immobilized for the sake of God's mission. And that's why these topics and this idea of growing up is so important, and and Paul is speaking to this church uh, so intently about this because it matters. Well, today we're going to look at the verses that follow, starting in verse 5, and we're going to look at basically two tensions that I think are here in this text, two tensions that Paul draws out and what the church has to deal, the mature church has to deal with um, as Paul addresses the fact that how we engage in God's mission matters. He introduces us to two metaphors that we're going to find that are helpful, and uh, we'll look at those uh, just a little bit later. But let's Dive into the text here and read verses 5 to to the beginning of verse 10. So if you remember last week, Paul had been challenging this church and saying to them, well, you know what, you're you're kind of immature. You're needing, we need to feed you with milk. You're not ready for solid food. And they were kind of getting, uh, gravitating around camps of these human leaders of Paul and Apollos. And he says, you don't need to be doing that. That's, in fact, distracting you from our bigger mission. And then he continues on in verse 5. And he says this, after all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder, and now others are building on it. So here we see a lot of imagery or metaphors that we'll come back to in just a minute that Paul is teaching on about how we are to live out our faith, how we are to disciple one another. And you might ask the question, well, first of all, who is he exactly speaking to? Who is his target audience? Is he just speaking to church leaders? Is he just speaking to those who work in more formal roles than the church? And I would say, no, he's definitely speaking to all of us, to anyone who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Because if you read the rest of this chapter, and if you read the entire letter of 1 Corinthians, you see that he is speaking to the body of Christ. He's speaking to all of these believers and saying, everyone has a role to play in discipleship. Every person has unique gifts. Every person has unique opportunities uh, with people who do not yet know Jesus to help point them to the hope that we have in Christ and also to help grow and mature in faith. And I know sometimes we think that discipleship only happens once somebody puts their faith in Christ and becomes a believer and follower of Christ and that then discipleship now happens. 
And yet if you look in Scripture and you look at Jesus and how he interacted with the crowds and with the people, he was doing discipleship all along the way, even for those who are not yet believers who didn't know or trust him, and he's challenging them, encouraging them, rebuking them even at times, and prodding them on to have faith in Christ, and prodding them on also to grow in their faith. And so discipleship happens all along the way. And we're all called to that. The maturing church recognizes that all of us have a role to play in this discipleship of pointing people to the hope that we have in Jesus, helping to grow people up and to grow up ourselves continuously in the faith. And that no matter what environment we're in, no matter what context that we're in, that we have a a way to do this and to do what Paul is talking about here, about planting seeds, watering the seeds, working on these environments and so on for the sake of God's kingdom. In Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit and how when we have the Spirit of God within us that there is evidence of that and all of these kinds of things of love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And, and it says in that text how there is no law against these things. In other words, there's no place that you can be, there's no context you can be in, there's no environment where these are not appropriate and good. And there's no law against them. So no matter what your role is, no matter what your occupation is, no matter what you do, day to day, you can be discipling others even just through the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit. And I know people are back at school now, and so some of you, many of you are are school teachers or work in the school system in one capacity or another. So if you're a school teacher, how you create an environment in a classroom, how you welcome your students in, how you affirm and even correct your students is all of this context of, of being disciples and bringing the fruit of the Spirit to those kind of contexts. If you're a laborer and somebody who works day by day with your hands and you're in the trenches working in some kind of one job site or another in one capacity or another, how you relate to your fellow employees, how you show up at work on time, how you display the fruit of the Spirit in your work matters, makes a difference. If you're somebody who works in human resources in one way or another, maybe you're a manager or you're a boss or you in some way hire people, assess people, train people, How you treat them matters. The kind of culture and the kind of context that you create in your work environment and your workspace, it matters. And people will either see the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit and see something in you that is different, which in subtle ways is discipleship as you walk with these people in different ways. If you're a stay-at-home mom or if you are a family life specialist and life coach, what you do matters. You're training, discipling your kids. You're creating a context, helping them to deal with disappointment, hurt, things that happen in life. And so you know that, that it really matters. And so we have opportunity after opportunity. Maybe you're at a stage of life where you have all kinds of decisions to make. So maybe it's not even an occupation, but it's just sort of a phase that you're at or a position or a place that you're at in life right now. Maybe you're making decisions about things. Maybe it's vocational or career or educational. Maybe it's that you're actually facing your own mortality. Maybe it's sickness or death. And how you walk in that matters. How you walk in these difficult times of life. People are watching. They're observing. They're seeing. Is your faith real? Does your faith make a difference? And so my point is, and I could go on and on and give example after example, but my point is is that How we live out our days, how we respond to the things that happen to us or the circumstances we find ourselves in, 
How we go about our work during the week on a day-to-day basis matters. It's part of living out our faith and growing up in maturity and discipling others as we walk along, as we engage in the world that is around us. So as the church gathers together in a corporate way, like right now on a Sunday morning, we know that that is so important to do. That's why we gather. That's why we encourage one another. And even as it says in Hebrews, spur one another on to love and good deeds and not to give up gathering together because it matters. It's important to gather together as the body, to encourage one another, to worship together, to serve together, to give together. All of these things that we do together in community. But the church that scatters throughout the week is also so critically important so that as we scatter into this city and beyond this city and around the world, literally, that that the church of even Forest Grove Community Church is scattered throughout this region, making an impact for the kingdom of God, discipling others in all kinds of ways. So again, my point is, is that this text that Paul is teaching on here relates to all of us. And I really think that he draws out two tensions that the mature person or the mature church understands that we have to live in this tension. And I think they're critical in how we grow in maturity. And so the first one is in this area of our work and God's role and our role. And last week we talked about the human roles that Paul was addressing and saying, you know what, it's not about Paul and Apollos. It's not about these camps that you're kind of gravitating around, but it's, it's about everyone doing their part. And, and it's not so much about human leaders. Here what we see, I think, is Paul is addressing this question about what's the role that God plays and what's the role that we play? And how do we understand the difference between the two? And this text is often used, and understandably so, as a text that diminishes our role in the kingdom and says, you know what, we really can't do anything, but God does everything. And in part that is true. But I also want you to listen to this text And listen to the affirmation, I believe, that Paul is saying about the human role that we do in the work that we do. And so again, think of your context. Think of wherever it is that you reside during the week and all the different environments that you find yourselves in. And here Paul says this. Let me go back to verse 5. After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Well, we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. And I stop there and I go, okay, that's pretty significant. He's saying to this church that while we are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. And I listen to that and I go, that's that's a big deal. These people are believers and followers of Jesus Christ because Paul and Apollos did what they were called to do. And so in many ways, he is affirming. And he says, each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. He's talking about faithfulness. God gave us a role. He gave us a job. He gave us gifts to do. And we were faithful to do the work that we did. And he says, I planted the seed in your hearts. And I read that and I go, man, that almost sounds arrogant. Paul's saying, I planted the seed in your hearts. And he says, and Apollos watered it. And if you listen to this text from the framework or the perspective of affirmation, you see it here. Paul is saying, I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it. And I look at that and I go, that's that's a big deal. That matters. Planting seeds matters. Watering matters. But then he puts it in context and he says, but it was God who made it grow. And so what Paul is saying here is that there is this tension of understanding what is our role and what is God's role. And we have to understand that God is always first and we are always second. But our work 
does matter. The work that we do in the kingdom does matter. And especially as we recognize that God is sovereign and God in his grace has called us also to serve him. And you know, I think in immaturity, we create camps around these extremes. And we kind of focus on one extreme or the other. And so sometimes, you know, people argue, well, we are nothing. We can't do anything. You know, it's just like we are like so not at all involved in this process. And yet we have to get up and work. We have to use our minds. We have to engage and do ministry and programs and reach out and have effort. Or we go to the other camp and, and, and say, well, you know what? It's all about us. Everything that we do is what matters. No. I think either of those extreme is in many ways, a sign of immaturity. But in maturity, we recognize the tension of this, that yes, God is sovereign and we can do nothing apart from God. But at the same time, what we do matters. Timothy Keller, he has uh, this one quote and he says it this way. He says, we have things to do, but God is in charge and is credited with producing the change in our lives. Aware that God is the author of our transformation, we are set free to put forth the most strenuous effort imaginable. And I like that quote because it reminds us again that God is the author of transformation. God is the only one who can cause things to grow. God is the one who created metamorphosis. God is the one who brings transformation into the lives of people, yes. But here Tim Keller says, when we understand this, when we realize that God is first and we are second, we are able to put forth the most strenuous effort imaginable. In other words, we do our part. Dallas Willard, another pastor and teacher, he said it this way. He says, when he looks at the writings of the Apostle Paul, he says, the Apostle Paul was never against striving. He was always, though, against earning. You cannot earn your salvation through your works. But you can't read his letters without hearing him say that we need to strive under the grace and sovereignty of God, recognizing that he is the author of transformation, that God is first and that we are second. And so this really is, I think, the first tension that Paul's bringing out here in this section for today where he's saying we have to understand our place and God's place, that God is the one who can make things grow, the only one who can make things grow, but we have a role to play. In Psalm chapter 8, there's a couple of verses I want to read for you here where it, it talks about this, and the psalmist is saying this, "'When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them?' Human beings that you should care for them. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. And you gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. So here again, it it elevates and it lifts up God's pinnacle of creation of his people who he has created. And yet in this tension and immaturity, we need to recognize that God has the ultimate role and the ultimate job in terms of being the author of our transformation. But we do also have a role to play. So I think Paul is affirming that. He's challenging where people think too much of themselves, but maybe also challenging where they think too little of themselves as well. Because you see, even if it doesn't matter who does the watering and planting, as Paul says in this text, it does matter that somebody did it. Because God calls his people to serve and to work in the kingdom of God. And he says, it is important that someone does the planting and someone does the watering. And so in maturity, we live in this tension. And we recognize that our work does matter. The second tension I want to draw out is this, the the tension of the two metaphors. That is the 
title of our message today. And the mixed metaphors that Paul uses in this text is he talks interchangeably almost about gardeners and builders, or about those who plant things and water things and grow things and those who actually build things. And it, it strikes me that in good writing, you don't use mixed metaphors. Like, that's just bad writing. Nobody apparently told Paul that. Um, but, but it's good. He's, he's using these metaphors interchangeably in a sense, and he's contrasting them. And again, I think that the maturing church sees that we need them both. It's not about either or. It's that we need them both. But it does create this tension for us. That we need to appreciate the differences in people when it comes to discipleship. And that as we appreciate the different ways that people are wired, the different ways that people have personalities, the different ways that people serve and and go about their work and just approach life. And as we learn to appreciate the other who is especially not like us, it leads to maturity and effectiveness in God's mission. So these two are ones that have some similarities, but they have many differences. And these metaphors also very much need each other. Because each is diminished without the other being present. And in fact, it's vulnerable with the other, without the other because each one of these has a shadow side, which we'll also see in a minute. And so it's these metaphors of gardeners and builders that we see that come out in this text. Now, I just need to clarify, when I'm talking about builders, I'm not talking about a generational thing. I mean, you remember the book by, I think it was David Foote, Boom, Bust, and Echo kind of thing, and he talked about, you know, busters and boomers and builders. I'm not talking about that category because I think you can be a builder even if you're like 18 years old. So what we're talking about today is something different and what I'm calling kind of postures. Postures or approaches to ministry. Postures or approaches to life. And maybe that's a helpful way for us to think about it. Not distinct and different gifts that we have and use, but the way that we use these gifts. And when you think about a posture, um, we're largely oblivious to our own posture, aren't we? Like, you don't notice your own physical posture of how you stand or how you walk. But if you see somebody walking across a hallway or across a parking lot, if you know them well, you can just tell by the way that they walk, the gait of their stride. It's sort of their posture, right? So posture is something that we notice more in other people than we notice in ourselves. And I would say that these two metaphors or postures that Paul uses here are similar in that we notice them more in others even than we notice them uh, in ourselves. But I want to have us do uh, a bit of an object lesson, first of all. I want to just have us differentiate a little bit about how builders work. Builders, they, they work with wood, drill, screws, things like that. And then gardeners work with soil, seed, water, fertilizer, and so on. So I need, uh, Curtis, can you come give me a hand here? I know you're a helpful guy. It's going to help me just uh, move this table over here. Now, I also need to know, like, just raise your hand. Who are the builders in the room here? Who are, like, when you think about this, who are the just natural, you're a builder? Oh, you're so shy. I know. I, you know nobody's going to put up their hand. Okay, yeah, there we go. Now, now, who are the gardeners? Who are those who just love to get their hands dirty and, you know, okay, that's wonderful. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'll be calling on you in just a minute. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Curtis. Now, I need uh, two volunteers, and I saw those hands. Uh, Dave Hebert, I saw your hand go up. You're a builder. Why don't you come on up here? Jackie Tennant, I saw your hand. You are such a good gardener. Jackie, why don't you come on? I won't embarrass you, I promise. It's a very simple exercise, um, but it's just going to help us get a sense of the difference between what builders and gardeners do. So, uh, Jackie, you're a gardener. You're on this side, okay? And uh, Dave, you're a builder, you're right here. 
So let me just explain real briefly what you're going to do. Now, I want you to all think about this in the context of the church and also how we go about our week and just our posture in the world and how we approach life. So as we work with people, generally, are we a builder or a gardener? Okay, so when we think about this, we want to think about discipleship. Okay, so Dave, uh, what you're going to do is pretty straightforward. It's, it's a tilt-up construction, so it just kind of goes like this. So this goes like this. It's all pre-drilled. It's pretty straightforward. See that? The hole's there. Ready to go. Zip, zip. There's your screws. Um, and then the roof goes on. I'll help you with that a little bit later. There's your drill. Put it together. Okay, tilt-up construction, really straightforward. Okay. Now, Jackie, here what you have is you have seed, and you have fertilizer, and there is some really good soil here in this cake pan, okay, some really good soil. I brought a fork and a spoon because it's kind of a really small garden, and so you can plant some seeds, there's water here, and you just do whatever you need to do to make this a garden and to make it grow, okay? So, go ahead. Let me help you here, Dave. No, yeah, it's pre-drilled. There you go. There you go. Perfect. You're good. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Let's get this one going. I'll help you with this. See, I'm the architect on this job, but uh, there you go. I'll even get these started for you. Oh, she's making a cake over there. That looks wonderful. Okay, so Jackie, you've put, I see that you've put the seed in. Have you put in fertilizer? Yes. Okay, now what else do you want to do? Oh, that's fine. What else do you want to do with, uh, with this? Put a little bit of water in it? Okay. Perfect. Why do you give it water? just helps it grow perfect okay okay well done there you can wash your dry your hands yeah that's good good dave just put on this side there you go i'm not sure there you go well done so jackie is there anything else you want to do here well i need a little sun okay that's true Time. Okay, let's watch Dave finish here. Two more screws. No pressure. Okay, can we give these folks a hand? Thank you. Thank you. Now, thank you so much for volunteering. Um, you know, it says in Scripture that you should always be ready to give a testimony to the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So if I ask you to preach, you should be ready to do that at the moment's notice. So be thankful that I didn't ask you to do that. Okay? But thank you. Now, what I want you to think about is a little bit of the difference between these two and how it is that they approach their work. Right? Okay, so we, we first of all, we have, we have the, uh, the gardener who's a little bit more kind of hands-off. A gardener is more concerned about environment, right? You work with soil, you work with fertilizer, you work with water. As Jackie said, don't really have sun to work with here. But, but you sort of have, worry about the right conditions for growing. A gardener is somebody who's a little bit more future-oriented, you know, and thinks long-term. Because, 
you know, I mean, at some point, there's nothing else that Jackie can do, right? It's a bit of a helpless feeling. It's like, okay, I'm done. And then you actually go over here and help the builder because there's something that you can tangibly do. But so the gardener is somebody who is, is just thinking about, okay, what are the right conditions for the soil in order to produce growth? Um, and sometimes the growth doesn't exactly even happen the way that we would expect. Things grow differently. This is actually oat seed. That'd be an interesting garden. Um, but, things grow, and, but we have to look at the environment. What do we need to change in the environment in order to make something grow? The builder, on the other hand, is somebody who's much more hands-on, works with tools, works with whatever, the tools that are available and so on, likes to build something, okay? Um, doesn't mind, often builders don't mind starting with demolition, actually. They often like to blow things up first, and then they start to rebuild, and then they, in this case, that wasn't, wasn't the case, but then they start to build with, with tangible tools and, and, and so on. Builders are future-focused as well, but are a little bit maybe more concerned about immediate results. They like to see an end product at the end of the day. Because with the gardener, you look at this and you go, okay, there's nothing there. Like, is there anything happening? Okay, and you've got to be so patient. With the builder, builders typically, they're wired in such a way, well, they want to see something happen right now. And they're asking questions like, what are you doing right now? How does that help us towards our end goal? What are your plans for tomorrow and what programs can we start? What, what kind of buildings can we build? And my point is, is that we are all a combination of both. We are all a combination of, I think, builder and gardener. We probably know who the builders are. They're the ones sitting right beside you, you know. You know that person that you're elbowing right now? Maybe there's the builder right, right beside you, you know. I mean, God bless our builders. I mean, the, the battle cry of the builder is, let's get her done, okay? Like, let's get her done, let's get something accomplished, let's do something, right? God bless our builders. You need to hug a builder today? Yes. Um, we need them. Problem is, they don't like to be hugged, typically. Um, gardeners, on the other hand, the battle cry of the gardener, is that what the question that they ask is, is everybody okay? Do you like the person that you're becoming? Is the environment and the context right for growth? And so we need to realize that each of these needs the other. Builders sometimes, when they approach ministry and they approach discipleship and they approach the work of the kingdom, they sometimes leave a wake behind them that others have to come along and sort of clean up the mess. And so that's sort of their shadow side. The gardeners, on the other hand, sometimes they have a challenge of actually getting things done. They're so concerned about people in the processes, like, let's just get something done here. So they too have a shadow side, and they need the other. And sometimes it's a seasonal thing. Sometimes we need to approach things differently at different seasons of life. And I think of, of parenting, and Lisa and I are going through a phase right now where we're experiencing parenting adult children with two adult children and two who are not yet adults. And so when you're parenting children who are young, you're much more, I think, like a builder. You're way more hands-on. You're way more kind of saying, do this, don't do that, you know, like giving them guidelines, guardrails, all these kinds of things. And then when your children become adults, you start to have to be a little bit more hands-off. And you pray a lot. And you focus on the context. And you focus on the environment. But you can't get so tangibly involved in their lives like you did when they were younger. All of us have gifts and abilities. All of us also have postures of the way that we approach the work of the kingdom, as Paul is talking about here. And we all need to be involved in planting and in watering and in building in different ways because we are all called to grow in maturity and helping and mature others. 
It's called discipleship. So the maturing church, like this church in Corinth, learns to live in these tensions, to realize that our work matters, but God is always first and we are always second. And then also this tension that we have builders and gardeners in our midst. And as we build on this foundation of Jesus Christ, that we need them both. As Jesus was our ultimate example, I think he was this perfect blend of builder and gardener in how he did the work of the ministry. And may we be that kind of church that grows and matures in that way and lives with these tensions in a healthy way. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your grace and your love for us. I thank you, God, that we don't have to churn and wrestle with the truth or the idea that we have to bring transformation or change in people's lives, not even in our own lives. But God, that you are the one who makes things grow. Lord, thank you for that truth and thank you for your grace. But God, at the same time, you have called us to be people who are workers in your kingdom. That you have called us to be gardeners and builders and to work with the unique posture, the unique way that we approach things and to do things in the way that you have wired us and shaped us and molded us. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a maturing church that recognizes these things and works to this end for your glory and for the sake of your mission in the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.